Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Now, everybody has a favorite Christmas song, don't they? Don't they? I just hope it's not, what's that one about? Red shoe, Christmas shoes? I don't even think that's a Christmas song. I think that's just pitiful. Okay, but we have these these songs that that uh, we hear at Christmas, and some are our favorite. And then there's also scripture that maybe jumps out at us at this time of year. And I know it may sound strange, but if you look in the Gospels, you'll see the, the Christmas story told in some way in three of those Gospels, and then one is not. It starts out in the, in, uh, the Gospel of John. It starts out uh, about, um, you know, the origins of Jesus. But I think it's in verse 14, if I remember right. This is what it says. And the Word, the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Stop and think about that for just a minute. Not the God of the universe. Not the God of just the galaxy, the God of the solar system, the God of the planet Earth. No. God encapsulates all of it. He is the Alpha He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is it all. Think about that. And the Word became flesh. Why? So He could save us. That's Christmas. We're in week three of Choose Joy. Ah, oh, gosh, I got to get back on track here. But I got to thinking about that as we were sitting here singing that song. Uh, and it's just so touching this time of the year. And another time, you know, around Easter when we talk about the uh, origins of, of Jesus and how he died uh, around what we celebrate as Easter and how he rose again. I just get that on my mind sometimes. I've been a Christian for 43 years now, and it never gets old. If it feels old to you, I hope this morning through what we're going to talk about, it will be like a fresh breath of air. I pray that it's just like warm oil poured over you, and that you leave here today just feet not touching the ground and that you have a new realization for what he's done for you, what he's doing for you currently, and what he's going to do for you in the future. We measure our time in seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. 
But all that goes away. Our eternity has already began. We're just going to transition from this life into one that never ends. So let's not talk about next June. Let's not talk about five years from now. When we get to retirement age, whenever I finish school, let's look ahead 50,000 years. That's hard to grasp in our little pea-sized brains, isn't it? But let's, let's go ahead 50,000 years. We will be as alive then as we are now. And why? Choose joy. Let's talk about that this morning. Get my eyes cleared up here. Now, in Choose Joy, uh, Pastor Matt, the very first week, he spoke about celebrating or lack of control. Now, he spoke about how that's one of his most difficult ones. And some of you all are control freaks, although only six of you all admitted it. But after it was over with, those of you that are control freaks got together and talked about it. And that's about 50 of you. Okay, so I know that I'm a control freak. I'm sitting there. I didn't raise my hand. And Austin sitting next to me. And what did I get? Dad, you didn't raise your hand. And I said, but I'm not a control freak. <coughs> yes, you are. And I guess I am because when I get up of a morning, you know what the first thing it is? I tell you, it happens before I get up. It's actually the night before and I caught myself doing it last night. I'm sitting there, and I use my, my smartphone uh, to do everything. I, if I could take a shower with my smartphone, you know, just put a shower head in it, you know, I, I'd do it because I use it for everything else. So I go in there, and I'm plan, I planned out my day today and part of my week coming up by this is what I am to do Sunday afternoon. You know, and so I am a control freak. And, and we can't blame Pastor Matt for being one. It's one of those deals where his mom always said, it's just like you spit him out on the sidewalk and he grew, you know, and she was just the host receptacle. So he, what you see at age 40 is what I was at age 40, but hopefully he will mellow out to be, you know, well, I don't want him to have all of my traits, but there are certain traits I'd like for him ha to have because as you get older, and you all know this, those of you that are, are getting a little age on you now, uh, some of the things that matter to you then does not matter near as much. So something else about being a control freak, I was on the phone yesterday with uh, someone that's probably listening online, so I'm not sure what camera to look at, but I've got one word for you, Eden, and you'll know what that means. But this person is also a control freak. And uh, I said, well, you know, that's what we talked about just a few weeks ago. And he was aware of it because he had, he had watched it. The second one was practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude is so incredibly important. And I appreciate what he had to say about it. And I saw the responses back to uh, our Facebook page and in other people's uh, Facebook threads and messages that was coming into the church, how they tried practicing gratitude and how helpful it was. And I don't mean to point out anybody here this morning, but there's a lady in our midst that has just blessed my heart uh, over the last month, at least, because I don't know if it's daily or almost daily, but Jeanette Smith puts on her Facebook feed what she is thankful for. Now, if you will take time to read that, you'll see that she is thankful for even the most minute things. 
And sometimes we have to slow down just to be able to do that. So the, what we're going to be talking about today, though, is spending time alone. Now, when he told me I was going to be speaking on this, I don't know if he picked this one in particular for me to speak on. All I know is that it is probably one of the most difficult for me. So if this is something that is difficult for you, I want you to understand that I'm standing here before you today, and I thought, of all things to speak on, this is one that I struggle with personally the most. It is very difficult for me to get alone. I would like for you to take your copy of God's Word today. If you have a Bible, if you have an electronic Bible, or if you want to look up here on the screen, today we are going to read out of Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'll give you time to do that. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And it's something that I want you to do with me uh, and, and next week's going to be cultivate life-giving relationships, and Pastor Matt will be back, and he'll he'll be bringing that to us. But as we turn to Exodus chapter three, you're going to notice that on the slides up here that I bolded five statements. When we get to that, as I read that, I want you to say those out loud with me. Let's let's read. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with a fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and that isn't where Moses go. Moses was on the second row. He's out in the lobby. Okay, we have a little, a little baby boy named Moses. So I told him it was all about him today. And this is what Moses said. Whenever he heard the voice calling out of the bush that was burning and not being consumed, which is a little strange, is it not? What does Moses, what is his response? He says, here am I. Here am I. So, so you got these five statements that I spoke about. And then the last part of, ten, of the 10th verse says, come now, therefore, and I will, this is God talking to Moses after he's got his attention. He says, now I'm going to tell you what it is that I want you to do. He says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. In other words, because Moses took the time to get quiet before the Lord there and listen in, uh, intensively to him, he was able to give him the instructions. Now at this time, now let's go back up just a little bit. The children of Israel first went to Egypt. Why? There was a famine in the land. And they went to the land of Goshen because their brother Joseph was like second in all of the empire. And he says, bring my father and bring all of everything that you have, and we're going to put you in the best part of the country, the most fertile part of the country. 
This lasted for over 400 and I think it's 30 years. Now, don't you stop thinking about it. How long have you been around? I've been around a little over 60 years. That seems like a long time in a way. In another way, it doesn't seem like it's any time at all. If you look at the age of our country, it's around the same amount of time that the children of Israel was in the land of Egypt. In the time that they were in the land of Egypt, they became slaves. So you have Moses who grew up in the house of the Pharaoh, but 40 years before had to leave and was exiled to the backside of the desert. Why? Because of something that he did there. So he had to flee. So he went from living in the house of Pharaoh to living on the back side of the desert. And to give you an idea of how far that was, it's about from here to Knoxville. If you were to look at a map and you were to look at where he was whenever he left, and you, well, I'll turn this way, and, and, and let's say he's over here and he's in Egypt, and if you go over this way and you run into the Red Sea and you curl around the Red Sea just a little bit, you're going to be in, in Midian. Okay, that's where his father Jethro was, was living. So that's where he fled to, and for 40 years he did what? From living as uh, in the lap of luxury in the house of Pharaoh, he went to living on the backside of the desert, tending his father-in-law's flocks. And that takes you to where we are today. He's there watching a bush burn and not be consumed. So that, that's where we are. And God decided it was time for him to visit Moses because he had Moses picked out as a special tool. And then Moses there minding his own business, watching the flock, sees this bush burning, and he goes over to see. And, G and God says, take off your shoes, Moses, because you are standing on what? Holy ground. So you can see the picture. Undivided attention. I can remember whenever Matt's mom was pregnant. Uh, that was back whenever Lamaze was a big thing, okay? And, and Lamaze is whenever the, the dad got to go in there and watch, okay? And supposedly participate a little bit. I was not interested, to be quite honest with you. But I was there. I was there. But I can remember, you know, childbirth without an epidural is pretty tough, but women have done it for years. So, so they told her, what we want you to do once you get in there and, and the birth pains are just overtaking you and, and the baby is starting to come down the birth canal and all that, you're going to be in the most excruciating pain you've probably ever been in your life unless you've had kidney stones. And I think it's worse than having a baby, but that's just my opinion. All right? So they said you need to get a focal point. Find something. If it's a, better not be any bugs on the walls in the delivery room, but find something on the wall. You need to focus on that because as you're going through this pain, that well, this is what happened with Moses. He found this focal point. He found this bush that was burning, and that's what he was focusing on. Now, here's the important thing. God wants our undivided attention. Now, does he have your undivided attention? I mean, I struggle. I have uh, ADD. You know what that stands for? Attention Deficit Disorder. And I put a screen up here that I don't think is going to work. I was hoping that it would, but go ahead and jump to the screen after that one right there. See, well, let's look at those. He, there's our back of the desert experience that we all need to be having. Uh, pull up the second one here. And that's the second uh, statement that was given. Angel of the Lord appeared to him. The third statement was, again, I will now turn aside. The fourth one was, uh, God called out to him. And the fifth one was, 
here am I. Now go ahead and go to the next one, but this is something that I personally struggle with. Go on to the next one here. I'm not as good at it as, as Matt is, but, but I have this problem. I have this problem in that if I'm doing something and I'm really detailed, or even if I'm standing with you, the last church I pastored, I had this one lady that was bold enough to be honest with me and come to me. She said, when I'm talking to you, you're looking over my head to something else. Why do you do that? And I said, I'm sorry. I, I really can't explain why I do that. But, but have you ever noticed someone do that? Or if you're talking with somebody and they're sitting there talking to you and they're going, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I know what you're saying. They got your phone out and you're thinking, I don't have your undivided attention. Well, that's sort of like me. Now, if this would work like I hope that it would, uh, if you put, uh, pushed a button, that, that dog would lap a couple times, then his eyes would go to that squirrel. Okay? And that's what, that's what happens to me. And I'm very, very much that way. So I had the next slide here I was wanting to show you. And I'm going to read something to you. Probably one of the biggest distractions that we have happens to be on the next slide. And that would be, okay, Dr. Evil. Okay, now I'm going to tell you a little story here. Uh, there were three demons and they were uh, being apprenticed. And, you know, Satan was apprenticing them and they got down to the end of uh, their apprenticeship and they were taking their biggest test and their biggest test was just answering one question. He said, if you had the opportunity to attack People who believe in God, what would you do? And the first demon got up there and he said, Oh, I know exactly what I would do. I would make them not believe in God. Well, that's been tried. That doesn't work. So the second one, he thought, okay, that wasn't that good. I better come up with something better than that. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll make them suffer. And if you all read anything about Christian history, you'll notice that the more they suffer, the bigger they grow. Christianity in China, for example, once they started being oppressed, they just exploded. The church in Russia, in the former Soviet Union, just exploded. You go to Iraq right now, and you'll see that Christianity is growing in leaps and bounds because of their oppression. So that didn't work. So the third apprentice, he said, I know what I'll do. I'll distract them. And are we not a very distracted people? So I got this idea. I mean, I'm very distracted. My mind goes, it's like I've got a hamster on a wheel inside of my head. And as that one tires out, there's another one getting ready to jump on. It never stops. It's sort of like the CD going around. Okay, it's always turning. It's just not playing. Okay, and then you push the button and the little light comes on and it starts reading. That, that's, that's what goes on in my head. I actually take, I, I, I was, uh, my uh, Angie, once upon a time, she uh, uh, babysat. This is when we lived in North Carolina. She babysat for two doctors uh, child. And uh, he was not my, uh, my doctor, but he was just a personal friend. And we were cooking out one night and he said, Brian, can I ask you something? I said, sure. He said, do you take medicine for what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I take offense to that. But you know, there's good things about, you know, somebody that's that way is very creative. Okay. 
I mean, that's people who are entrepreneurs. This, this is people who starts, starts businesses, you know, and starts ministries and does all this. They just don't like to finish them, okay? Because by the time they get it up and going, they get bored with it and they go on to something else. But he said, Brian, was you aware that there are things that you can take for what you've got? I said, I ain't got nothing. He said, yes, you do. Come to my office. He said, you never like to sit down. You're always on the go. And your pastor's that way, I hate to say it, but hopefully that's something to ease off over time. If you've ever thought that I wish I would break a leg so I'd have time to rest, you have a problem. Would you not agree? That's sick. That's sick thinking. But there are people like me that feel that way and we're constantly distracted. Well, Probably one of the greatest things that is distracting to the American public today happens to be this thing right here. Would you not agree? Very incredibly distracting. I just bragged on it a minute ago. But let me tell you, folks, this thing right here controls the majority of us. Let me read you a couple stats here. This is as of June uh, 2019. 96% of Americans own a cell phone of some kind. Most of them reply to text within minutes. Why? Because it's in their hand. And if it beeps or it vibrates, we're going to look at it. 66% of population shows signs of nomophobia. Have you got nomophobia? You know what nomophobia is? Nomophobia, the fear of being without your nomo. No, excuse me, without your phone. Being without your phone. I'm that way. You know, Angie left yesterday with her mother, and uh, I just thought they were gone. And all of a sudden, she bebops back in the house. I said, what are you doing back? I forgot the phone. You know, she got to, do you remember whenever it used to hang on the wall? <laughs> Wasn't that something? Okay, and I had a sister 18 months younger than me, excuse me, older than me, so we were kind of going through the dating scene at the same time, and uh, the phone would ring wherever we were in the house. It was, you know, right to the phone, and to see who could get it first, you know, you're over, hello, he's right here. You know, and she'd hand me the phone, she said, don't stay on it long, joy may call. And what did you do? You sat down right underneath the phone because your cord wasn't long enough. But if you were rich, you could get one of them long cords to stretch all the way across the room. And what would happen, you'd stretch it so far that whenever you went to hang it back up, it'd just knot up. Okay, do you remember that? You know, you kids, you don't know that, that fun of having that phone. But no, we carry everything we need right here. Do we not? Okay, let me, let me give this to you here. Um, the average smartphone owner will click, tap, or swipe their phone. Listen to this. 2,617 times Per day. While 58% of smartphone users have admitted to trying to limit their device time, only 41% succeed in lessening their cell phone addiction. And it is addicting, isn't it? So you can take something that was meant for good, and it's something that really causes us a struggle. I better hurry up or I'm not going to get done. All right, let's talk about solitude here for just a second. Solitude is a state of seclusion or isolation. Short-term solitude is often valued as a time when one may work, think, or rest without 
being disturbed. Solitude is basically another word for getting alone. And a lot of us need to practice solitude. But here's the thing. Some of you all are very, very good at it, and some of you all really stink at it, okay? Like me. I'm, I'm just a stinker at it whenever it comes. I have to be very, very intentional if I'm going to spend some quiet time. I have to. And, and you may be in that situation. As a matter of fact, I, I've actually uh, planned weeks in advance to practice solitude. I know that I have to do that in order to get away to write or to, and I don't write near like I used to because I don't really have that desire, but I used to, I'd say, I want to get away for three days and all I'm going to do is focus on writing, uh, you know, a particular study that I was working on, or if I wanted to get aside just with God. One time I went to the Abbey of Gethsemane up in right below Louisville, Kentucky, and it's a Trappist monastery. That way I could get up there and spend a week. I had some major decisions that I needed to make, and I knew, just like on vacation, it would take me three days just to get me out of my head. You know what I'm saying? To forget about work, to forget about all the things that you got going in your mind. I knew it would be at least day three before my mind would clear enough for me to be able to focus on something else that was already in there. So about the third day of being up there uh, at, at the Abbey of Gethsemane, my mind cleared and then I was able to focus. So I know that is what I have to do. And it might be that you have to be very intentional that as well. Uh, Henry Noman says, Saltitude begins with a time and place for God and Him alone. If we really believe not only that God exists, now listen to this, but that He is actively present in our lives, healing, teaching, and guiding, we need to set aside a time and space to give Him our undivided attention. Would you not agree with that? I want you to imagine this. As I was driving over here today, I got over at ETSU, and if you know the intersection where I'm talking about, it's right before you get on the state of Franklin Road. No, that was the wrong one. Uh, excuse me, I wasn't there. I'm thinking about where McDonald's is. It's McDonald's on the Boone's Creek Road that gets right there in front of Zach's. I remember I looked over at the McDonald's, and I happened to catch a few things. I saw about three or four cars that was in a drive-thru. And I saw somebody walking out, holding the door, you know, for somebody that was walking in. And then I went through the red light and I went on. I won't do that again until probably next Sunday. Look over at that McDonald's. That's about what we give God sometimes. That little bit of a glimpse in 168 hours in a week, we may give him just a few minutes he is the God of the universe. We spoke about Him being the Logos. We spoke about Him being the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. We talked about Him being the everything, but yet in our little minute, tiny lives, we may just give Him, if we give Him this much, a few minutes of our time a week or a day. But what Henry Norman is saying is that we need to set aside a time and space to give him our undivided attention. Speaking of the Abbey of Gethsemane, there was a, a Trappist monk up there, uh, passed away, I think, in the 50s, if I remember right, but his name was Thomas Merton. Some of you all might be uh, familiar with a lot of his writings, but Thomas Merton uh, one of the things that these monks do up there, it, when you look everywhere and it says it on the walls, it's on all the tables, it says silence is spoken here. 
What does that mean? It means that you don't do a whole lot of talking. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to talk. It just means that words are not the most important thing up there. Contemplation is. Contemplation and meditation is. And we've been taught in the church that contemplation and meditation is something bad because it allows us to clear our minds and evil things can come in. That's not necessarily the case. Is it the case? Yes, it is. But it is not always the case. But sometimes we have to contemplate and we have to meditate in order to get, to get these other things out of our minds so that we can take God in and what He wants. You understand what I'm saying? So finding solitude has to be intentional. The Word of God says in Matthew 6, 6, and this is Jesus speaking to His disciples, He tells them very specifically that what He wants them to do are these three actions. Go into your room. Close the door. And pray to your Father who was unseen. Ever heard of a closet being referred to as a prayer closet? I don't have one. I have a prayer truck. That's where I do most of my praying, is in the cab of my truck. So is there anything holy about a closet? Now, you remember there was a movie came out here a few years ago, good Christian movie, and uh, it was, I can't even think of the name of it off the top of my head, but, but there was this wonderful African-American lady that had cleared out a closet in her house, and that's where she went to pray. And then, um, oh, can't think of his name. Got, can't, uh, Schreier was her last, Priscilla Schreier, I think. She, she was uh, visiting this lady, and she was sort of mentoring her. So she goes home. She was having trouble with the relationship with the Lord, with her job, with her, with her husband, with everything. So she throws everything out of the closet, and she starts putting Post-it notes everywhere and index cards and Scripture verses, and that became her prayer closet. It might be that you've got to throw some old shoes out. Okay, you're going to have to throw out a, a, and, and clear a spot where you can intentionally spend time with God. How many of you all have a place where you can spend time with God every day? So we have a couple. Now, there are some people would say, and I was going to bring a chair up here, but there are some people who will literally take a chair and put it in that room where they're going to be, and they just picture Jesus being right there and that they're speaking directly to Him. Now, there's some of you all that are really prayer warriors. There's some of you all that are very dedicated. I meant to bring my wife's journal uh, this morning uh, from, last, well, from the end of this year. My wife reads through the Bible every year, and I'm very proud of her for doing that. And she does more than just read through there. If you saw what that lady does, she's not here right now. She came in and, and read and had to go out there. But... It's incredible the time that she spends talking with God. Beth, Matt's wife, another person, just phenomenal the time that they spent. Puts me to absolute shame, and I call myself a preacher. I'm called by God. I'm supposed to know all this stuff and, and supposed to practice it all, and I, and I do to the best of my ability. But, you know, to see someone who is that into what God is doing fascinates me and makes me envious. But you've got to be intentional. King David says in Psalm 57, verses 7 and 8, and this is when I have to do it. 
And I thought, if good enough for King David, it's good enough for Brian Smith. My heart is unwavering. God, my heart is unwavering. I will sing and make music. Wake up, my glory. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake the dawn itself. If I don't do it first thing in the morning, it's not going to get done. And you may be the same way. Others may say, well, whenever I'm getting ready to go to bed at night is whenever I spend my time quiet with God. And more power to you if that's when it is. That's absolutely fantastic. But if you're like me, I need to know that before I start my day, I am giving God the first fruits because my mind will never be as clear the rest of the day than it is, than it is within the first five minutes I'm up. So that's whenever I try to spend time with God, and that's when the meditating begins. I'll take the scripture that was used, and I will meditate on that throughout the entire day, sometimes throughout the entire week, something that I've read. I'm going to give you a, a way to do this. I'm going to give you the six P's. I'm going to go through these pretty quick, and I think you're going to find these helpful. Uh, you've been handed a copy of this because I'm not going to spend much time on it right now, but there are six P's. Six P's. The first thing that you need to do, okay, you must be intentional about this, and you must plan what you're going to do. Uh, I've been in management most of my career, and one of the things that I've always heard and one of the things that I've always said is people don't plan to fail. People fail to plan. And it's the same way whenever it comes to being intentional about your time with God, you need to have a plan. You need to decide what you're going to be reading, what you're going to be spending time on, what part of the day it's that you are going to dedicate to doing this, but you must plan. You must pick a place, and you have to realize that for some of you, that's going to be a corner in your house. It could be in a recliner. It could be in a rocking chair. It could be on the sofa. It could be with your legs crossed in a corner. It can be in one of those closets that you don't use. It could be at the kitchen table. It can be uh, standing at the snack bar. It could be going out in the backyard. It could be getting in the cab of your truck. It could be wherever that you can get alone with God and you need to be intentional and you need to have this plan in place so that you could find this place to get alone with God. The third one is proceed with a clear conscience. And this is something that is very, very difficult for me. A clear conscience. That's hard for me sometimes because there are so many other thoughts in my brain that it's hard for me to clear it out and make him the only voice that I can hear. But it is very, very important for you to be able to do so. Fourth one, praise God. Take time to give him glory. Not just thank him for, you know, I woke up this morning and that you woke up the rest of my family. I'm talking about praising him for being the God of the God of the everything like I was doing at the beginning of this service, about giving him praise for who he is and only who he is. And then pray. And then that's the time that you spend with him. On the backside are a few more plunge into the Bible. And for some of you, if you're like me, whenever I first become a Christian, this is what I did. I got a Bible that I can understand, something that made sense to me. And uh, every day I just started reading. I'm not saying that this is the best way to do it, but I started in Genesis and went all, all the way to the Revelation and uh, about quit in Leviticus two or three times. But, you know, 
There's a lot of incredible stories in the Bible. Uh, What I'm using right now is the 30 uh, top stories of the Bible. That's what I've used this year and spent time with. But you'll find different things that will, will benefit you. And there's tons of resources out there, and I'm going to tell you about those in a second. And the last thing is put it on paper. Now, some of you all are very good at journaling. Some of you all have never practiced journaling before. I've got uh, in my office, I've got uh, a shelf, and probably the majority of the books on one shelf is my journals. I can go back and tell you what I was thinking in 1983. I can tell you what I was thinking about in 1992. I can tell you what I was thinking about in 2001 on a particular day. Why? Because as I studied God's Word, and as I was going through whatever life experiences that I was going through at the time, I wrote about it. And let me tell you, there's some times if you go back in there, it's just downright scary. You know why? Because I didn't know what was going to happen the next day. I didn't know what was going to happen to my life because I just lost my job, because my son had cancer, because my wife left me, because this, that, the other, whatever, or because I just got this promotion at work. I didn't know what the future held, but I wrote about it in the context that I knew, which was today, and knowing that I was serving a God that knew what my tomorrow was. Write it down. Write it down. So you've got some work to do. Solitude checklist or solitude checklist. It tells you some of the things. Now we're getting ready to come into a new year. And as you're coming into a new year, it's a time to do what? Forget about this last one and say, Lord, I just hope and pray that 2022 is better than 2021 was, Lord. I need to lose 43 pounds. I need to spend more time with you. I need to quit kicking my dog. I mean, there's all these things I need to quit doing, all these things I need to start doing. Well, it seems like January 1st happens to be a good day to do that, don't it? Now, you may not get past January 4th, okay? Well, a friend of mine, got a, I mean, he smokes. Gosh, you wouldn't believe how much that man smokes. I mean, it's inc- Now, I'm not saying smoking will send you to hell. It won't. It'll just make you smell like you've been there, okay? But... But he smiled. He said, oh, I don't have any trouble quitting. I can do it all the time. Okay? It's easy to quit. It's that starting back I have, I have struggles with. But, but January 1 is a good day to start this resolution where this is what I'm going to do. So I've given you a prep list there of the things that you will need. And then you'll see below that a couple links online. You can get there by your smartphone, by the way. And the first one is, and I really, really think you need to do this first one especially, www.first15.org. If you will click on that, you can automatically enroll to get this devotion every day. And it's scripture. It's a thought about that scripture, a challenge basically. And it's a, a song that you can sing along with or you can just listen to, you can meditate along with. But, but check that out. And if you want to participate in it, you put in your email address and it comes to your inbox every single morning. Uh, the other thing is uh, uversion.com, the Bible app. Now, mo- I know a lot of you guys have it because it's what you use to, like whenever we were just talking earlier using Scripture and I saw, saw you all looking at your phones. So you were either looking at Uversion or you're just looking at Facebook. Okay, and if you did, you need to get up here right now. Okay, but uh, the Uversion app. Is, is an incredible, they, they, they've, uh, um, over half a billion people have now used the Uversion app. 
That was as of, I think, September. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Well, in closing, and you can tell that a lot of stuff's going on in my brain at one time because you see how I jump from one thing to the other. I've, I've, I've seen about five or six squirrels since I've been up here. And, uh, uh, but it's like Elizabeth Taylor told her, I think her fourth husband, I won't keep you long and I won't be boring. <laughs> okay? Those of you all that know Elizabeth Taylor, uh, she's gone now. Uh, but something I want to introduce to you is this next slide, and it's called Breaking Ground. I'm going to share this with you. Um, we have been praying here, the senior leadership team at the church has been praying about uh, how we can have the stick-to-itiveness of community that are fully absorbed in God's plan. That's way I can. We, we, we're looking for some gorilla tape. Now, you can go to a dollar tree or dollar store or family dollar, whatever you call all those places, and get a roll of duct tape and use it. And before you know it, it just falls off because it doesn't have good sticky to it. Or you can go to Lowe's and you can get gorilla tape and it'll pull off hide and everything. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it'll pull the grain out of the wood whenever you try to take it off. We're looking for something. We know what we're doing from a mission standpoint, you know, the vision, the mission, the core values, what's important to us. But here's, here's the problem. A lot of people are not getting it. Okay? You're not getting it. I'm not pointing to a particular person saying, hey, you need to step up, man. You're just, you're going to be a private your whole life. You're never going to be a, you know, a corporal. You're never going to be a sergeant. You're never going to be, no. But we do struggle with this. So here's what we're doing. We're doing something called breaking ground. And this is something uh, we're going to talk about in great detail next Sunday evening. But it's a 21-day time of intentional fasting, scripture, and prayer. I don't want to scare you and say from January 3rd until 21 days, you're not going to get to eat. That's not what I'm saying. We're going to explain to you more about how this operates. So next week, you're going to hear more about that. We just want to be very intentional in uh, what you do. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to do two things. First, I'm going to give you the opportunity to be intentional. You know how you be intentional? You take an action. Not everybody has the ability to come forward. You can do exactly what I'm wanting you to do sitting right where you are, and that's more than fine. But if you're like me, there's that action of coming forward. It does two things for me. It shows God my intent, and it shows others around me that I'm accountable to, that I intend on doing what it is that I'm responding to. What I'm wanting you to do is I want you to commit to being intentional about your time alone with God. So as we close out the service, I'm going to ask you to come forward if you would. But if you want to stay back where you are and, and, and pray, that is more than fine. But nothing would be greater than seeing this altar full of people who are committed to being intentional with their time alone with God. And then after we're finished with that, we're going to take a brief moment. And we're going to have special prayer for someone here in our, in our midst today. Use this as a time to spend with God this morning and recommit to Him.
Father, as we come forward today to recommit our lives in our time with you, to give you more of the 168 hours of each week that we spend, the 24 hours that is in a day, the 60 minutes that's in an hour. Father, may we be more intentional with our time with you because we know that's what you want. You want that increased relationship with us. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer'sChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.